Hey everyone, before we start on this episode, we wanted to let you know that you can watch our Catalog and Cocktails episodes live with us every Wednesday via Zoom. Check the link in our channel bio for more information, and we hope you join us in the discussion in real time. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Catalog and Cocktails. It's Wednesday once again. Um, wanted to say, remember, this is a live hangout, an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about data uh, with a tasty beverage in our hand. I'm Tim Gasper, Director of Product over at Data.World. And I'm Juan Cicada, the Principal Scientist here at Data.World. How are you doing, Tim? How's I'm your Wednesday? Good. How's your mid of your week? It, it is going awesomely. You know, it's been, uh, it's been another really busy week, but, you know, I feel like cataloging cocktails is perfectly timed week-wise where, you know, you get to the end of day on Wednesday and you're just kind of a little exhausted and you're like, hey, it's time for uh, a rum and Coke or whatever it is that you've got going on, right? Today, I'm, I'm playing it simple today. Uh, playing, what, well, what are you drinking at? Uh, drinking I'm just going to have a little bit of Lafroy 10. This is my favorite peated scotch. It's been kind of like a rainy day here in Austin, even though it just got humid. I wish it were cooler, but oh well. <laughs> so I want to quickly remind everybody about a really cool thing that we're doing at Data.World. We are on September 23rd. We are going to host our first Data.World Summit. It's going to be a half-day event of new ideas, uh, practical guidance, and just journeys into the latest innovations in data practices and technology uh, and leadership. We have a great lineup of speakers right now we have we can announce we have dj patel i think the world's actually first data scientist and the u.s as first data scientist uh, so we're really excited about that um we'll put the link in the chat and we'll be tweeting about that so september 23rd uh mark that on your calendar hope to you hope to see you all there yeah, I'm super excited about this event. And for those who are listening, it is data.world slash events slash summit. Uh, so please join us on September 23rd. Uh, it should be fun. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, a bunch of good speakers set up for that. I'm always uh, excited and, uh, you know, sometimes surprised about you know, given that we're not, we're not doing just sort of the enterprise side of things, but we have this really large open data community as well that, uh, that we're connected to a lot of really um, interesting people in the data world. So it's, uh, it's kind of cool. We actually had a great conversation last week with uh, some really, really smart people in data. Uh, that, was, uh, that was a good one. Yeah. So we've, over the last months, we've been talking about so many different topics on right knowledge graphs and agile data governance, different yep. personas, catalogs, lakes, data lineage, data quality, data policy, and so forth. And, and one of the things that we've been discussing a lot internally with, within our engineering team, with our UX team, with our customers, with our friends, with our colleagues and everything is kind of is, AI, right? AI, this balance of AI and how does it work inside the enterprise? And, and we've just been kind of thinking so much about this stuff and, and we wanted to have a session about AI on cataloging cocktails, but there's a lot to talk about. So we kind of want to go split this up in two parts. Uh, and I think the first topic that we want to go touch today, kind of on the path to AI here, is this notion that we've been kind of throwing around 
about crowdsourcing. Um, and I think that's, that, that's going to be our, our topic today, Tim. So I'm really excited to go kind of dive into this notion of, of crowdsourcing uh, because next week we're going to be talking about more machine learning and more of the AI features. But yeah. let's go talk about crowdsourcing. We'll get, a, today. get a little bit more of the sort of the uh, intelligence of the masses today, and then we'll talk about the intelligence of the robots next week. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually surprised that it took us this long to really dive into AI. You know, I think there were many opportunities where, uh, we could have, uh, been a little weak and, uh, and just relented and, and talked about it sooner. So actually I'm proud of how strong we've been. <laughs> so but, but before we, before yeah. we get into like AI and crowdsourcing and all these things is let's boil up things again and let's think about it kind of a high level and say, what are the types of just tasks that as people in the enterprise that we have to go do things with their data. What are those tasks that we have to go through that our goal is to make these tasks easier, more enjoyable, right? Less painful and so forth. And then I think the hypothesis is that we want to be able to go automate everything and we want to be able to go have AI that does all this magic stuff for us. But be, before we get there is what are the, let's chat a little bit about those tasks that we see that we need to go really kind of, uh, that we want to go improve upon. Yeah, so, that's, a, that, that's a really good idea, Juan, because I, I think it's easy to talk about just the technology, but it's best to start from the use cases. So I know that one, one of the first ones that, that we were talking about, we were just brainstorming a little bit, uh, is, uh, is obviously around sort of the search and discovery experience, right? This is more sort of automation in service to, um, you know, to some degree, the people who are documenting and curating your data, but but especially the consumers who can benefit from from that, right? Um, things like tagging, things like related data sets, things like uh, related concepts, like uh, you know your glossary, or you know if you're starting to build up your knowledge graph, maybe it's some of your semantic concepts. Um, you know that that's obviously a major area of potential automation and uh, and sort of improvement. So I think, so what we say, search and discovery, and then we have this notion that people, people don't like to document, right? And I think this is why we end up kind of going through these, we, we lose all this information, all this knowledge that people have in their heads because they don't document things, right? So I think that's one of the other aspects that we see is like, uh, what is the, the context about this data? So how is this data going to be used and what, in, in what ways can it be used? Uh, what are the policies behind this data? Like we got we to gotta be able to go annotate. The, 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 these are the aspects of the data we have to go, go figure out. And it's painful to go do this, but we need to be able to do this. I think that yep. documentation is, is another one. What, what yeah, else? We, I, yeah, we hear that one a lot, you know, and, and I think another one is around, and, and I think this one's a little bit more difficult, but we get asked about it, you know, and there, there's some, you know, uh, advanced thinking in this area is around how do we use sort of AI and automation to assist with things like data access or data workflow. And so this is thinking about things more like, you know, uh, the joins and sort of the, the, the access to the data itself or how you might combine that data together. Uh, permissions, such as, you know, what data do you have permission to or, you know, the ability to sort of automate the requesting of permissions. So this is sort of, you know, around not just policy, but sort of the application and the enforcement of policy. Yeah, no, and I think this is a big desire that people want it is, okay, I have these two data sets, 
two at least, right? How do I put them together? What are the keys I want to go join on this stuff, right? And what is the best, what is the correct way of doing this? Um, and then even when you get into the permissions, like you can go into like, can I access these particular columns? Can I access all the rows or what set of the ro ro rows can I access? And, 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 and identifying what those permissions are, identifying or annotating what those join keys are, like right? that's something that we need to go do. We want to make, how can we make our lives easier on, on that side? And I think yep. going into a little bit more of the data, and we've talked about this, we've had a session on catalog and cocktails on this topic of data quality, right? That is something that we hope to be able to know, hey, this, this, is, this, this data set has issues, right? And these issues are, I mean, there are a bunch of null values in there, or there, there's too many discrepancies, or there's, there's so many things that we want to be able to go identify. And, and even, oh, there's emails in this thing, right? And those emails are wrong or things like that, right? So I think mm -hmm. those, are, those are the types of kind of other uh, features that we want to be able to have to help make our life easier. Yep. I, I think those are, those are all great, uh, great examples. And, you know, th there's, there's a ton of other use cases as well, but I think these are especially the ones, you know, search, documentation, access, workflow, quality. These are ones that we hear, I think, very often about like, Hey, how can, how can we bring some automation to this? Right. But, but usually the request for those things is um, because of something someone's heard or, uh, you know, we, we all see how AI is starting to come to play in every market, in every sort of area of software. We get excited about the application of that. So I think that kind of brings us to the next topic, which is, you know, uh, what, are, what are the expectations there and, and how realistic are they? So I'll, I'll put my, my, my scientific head on for a second and, I'll, and, I, and I think about the problem kind of from one spectrum to the other, right? Let's go frame all the possible solutions here. On one side of the spectrum, it's like, okay, we're going to manually do everything, right? We're going to manually annotate every single column, every single thing, right? Uh, and, and we're going to have a big governance uh, session to understand what is, what is correct or not. That's one side of the spectrum, which we obviously do not want to go do. Mm -hmm. The other side of the spectrum is let's assume that we have uh, the magic wand and the general AI and Skynet is here, whatever, and we can have machines that can just automatically do everything for us. And for some reason, it's going to work and we trust it, right? Well, those are those two spectrums. Uh, none of them are real. None of them are actually going to happen. So we need to go find somewhere on the spectrum where we are, right? And I think that's a lot of the hype. A lot of the, if you're going more towards the, uh, the general AI, I think that's where we're seeing a lot of the hype. When you're going to, to the most of the, on, on the other side where it's a lot of very manual, this is the stuff that people do not want. They, want, they expect some more automation here. So what is that balance? And I think that's what keeps us all up at night at some point. And this is the yeah. type of stuff that we're trying to figure out. What is that balance? And, and what is the messaging? And, 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 and what is reality versus, versus the hype? Yeah, I think that's a, that's an awesome point. I love that example of the spectrum there. And I think that, you know, it, the goal in the end is to try to scale up what we can do as humans, right? I think we look at things like AI and automation as a way to, you know, whether it's searching for data or it's you're more of a steward or a data owner and you're kind of documenting your data, you, you want to try to make your efforts go further to go longer and to be more repeatable, right? If I document a column once, like I don't want to repeat documenting that column 10 times. Like I want that one time I documented it to go a long way and I want it to learn something ideally, right? 
but that goal of automation of scaling it gets the sort of the, the the thing that weighs against it is like is accuracy right like is it doing it well is it doing it right right and, and what you and don't want to do yeah Sorry, and, but, and for, and whom, for yeah. whom and for what context and for what use case because there isn't really just one way, one correct measure. And I think I remember in, in, in a previous discussion with some folks afterwards, uh, we were talking about data quality. quality it, it depends on the, it's on the eye of the beholder, right? It depends on who's accessing the data, who's using it. So that's something we need to mm -hmm. take into account too. That's why, as you mentioned, humans need to be, be, play a key role here. Because that's who we're scaling, right? We're not we're not trying to replace people. We're trying to let you know you're you're onboarding more data. You're creating dashboards faster than you ever have before. You're just trying to figure out how the exponential growth of data can result in a in a governance team that doesn't have to also exponentially grow, right? So, so I I think and, and the other question I I, I, I get. When people talk, start talking about, can you automate this? And they say, okay, imagine that you have that magic wand and the AI automates things. Now, first of all, are you going to accept everything that the AI system says? I hope not. First of all, I hope not. You have to, you have, you have to, you have to be skeptical about things. You have to go look at it. But still, even if they do, are you just going to accept everything that has an accuracy above 90%? Maybe, maybe that's your policy and you're going to be fine with that. Maybe that system works, but for some sort of use cases, but not for some others. So how do we manage that right there? And I think even though we can have systems that can help us go scale to large amounts of data, go do, go do any of these things that we discussed before, we still want to be able to, to have a way that the human comes in and, and says, this looks good. This does not look good. I authorize this. I don't authorize this, or we need more feedback and stuff like that. And I think, that's the that's the crux of the situation is how do we scale that for humans i love what you just said is it's not about just the data the data we gotta go scale for all this data that is coming in but we're gonna get more data does that mean we need more people no we're not going to get more people so how do we scale humans i think that is what we need to be able to go figure out and people forget that humans must be involved too yep a hundred percent uh juan and i i think that um there's this concept that I, I've been thinking about a lot lately. It's that it's, it's first of all, what you're saying, right? It's, it, it's humans are in the loop, right? And it's humans and machines working together. And I think, you know, the smart companies that are doing really good things with AI and aren't sort of like the, you know, the, the sort of examples of many companies that are sort of fizzling out in this space right now uh, is that they're thinking about the relationship between machines and humans. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is that I feel like it's not just about humans and machines, because I think that when you look at cataloging or understanding your data, um, it's a little bit asymmetrical in the sense that there are subject matter experts, there are experts, and there are people who are accountable in your organization, and they have a different level of expertise that they're bringing to the equation than the masses. Now, on the same token, the masses are also important because they're the ones who know the things that you don't know, right? The things that you know, the things that you don't know, and the things that you don't know, you don't know, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and so I really think it's important to look at two aspects of humans. One is, you know, the experts in your company. And the other is, how do we actually get more people involved in the conversation and have them contribute? And so I kind of see it almost like a triangle, right? You've got sort of your experts, you have crowdsourcing, which I know is more explicitly what we're talking about today. And then you have the role of AI and automation. And these three things are all working together 
and engaging each other to help make, you know, I, I kind of think of it as collective intelligence. This is the collective intelligence that you're building in your organization around your data and around your insights. Ah, huh. I actually hadn't thought about it that way. I was, and I think you go into more details here because I was thinking, first of all, it's, it, it is human machines. Uh, and if, if you look a lot of the, there's this whole area called human in the loop, and this is a big research area in computer science about human in the loop. And I always ask myself, is it just human in the loop? Why isn't it machine in the loop, right? Who, I think there should be a balance there. Uh, and I think you want to be able to, to, the human wants to understand, once they understand kind of the process, they say, okay, this is something I can go automate, go, I pass it on to a system, go automate, and I will go in and, and authorize it just because you've done all the work for me. I just have to go to do a quick check. Yep. But what I see, what, what you're saying is, is that human actually, there's different personas uh, for, for that human. It's not just one persona. There can be multiple personas. And at least the two buckets that you're saying is there's going to be kind of more the, 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 I call it a, an expert, let it be, I don't know, somebody who really knows the domain, a domain expert, somebody might expert, or could be even the data steward who's the one in charge. But then there's a bunch of other people who have something to say about this. And that's, that's the masses, that's the crowd. And the, the, so we see these two kind of different buckets of humans, and then we have the machines. Um, did I summarize what you're, what you're, what, what you're saying? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And uh, I think that's a great way to summarize it. And, and obviously, you know, the masses, the crowdsourcing are a really important piece of that. And, and I think, you know, just to zoom in on that piece a little bit, you know, crowdsourcing is often an element that is underemphasized. And I actually saw a question here posted by somebody in the chat. They said, you know, are we trying to scale humans? Or are we trying to scale human experts? Uh, I think the answer is, is, is both. And the thing that's excluded with experts is like the masses, right? And that's where, you know, you've got all these people who are building dashboards using your data. You got them trying to understand how these terms are used in your business. Their thoughts matter. And, they can help you scale, um, you know, how you approach these problems as well. Just like, you know, look at things like Kickstarter and all these different things and how they've been able to bring crowdsourcing into the mix. So the, I think crowdsourcing is a, a huge factor here. So, so we, we've been throwing this word crowdsourcing and, and, and it's always kind of weird when you start using this term and we don't define it. So yeah, it's like, so, well, what does it even mean? Right. <laughs> what does it even mean? Well, well, I actually took quick notes here and, and, so I just, I'm, I'm going to read out what Wikipedia has to say, even though we've got to be skeptical of Wikipedia definitions, but a crowdsourcing is a sourcing model in which individuals or organizations obtain goods and services, including ideas, voting, microtasks, and finance from a large and relatively open and often rapidly evolving group of participants. So with that definition in mind, how do we apply crowdsourcing to enterprise data management? Yeah. That's that's a good question because obviously that de definition is pretty broad, and so you know I, I kind of think of there being three main areas where crowdsourcing applies well to the sort of the catalog realm or you know data management realm. It's uh, first of all sort of this aspect of inclusion and training and enablement, right? Like if you don't include everyone and get them involved in the in, in the conversation and in, in the sort of the process, 
um, you're not leveling up as an organization. And I think we've had a theme come up uh, uh, several times now in, 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 our, uh, in our catalog and cocktail sessions where, you know, we are trying to increase the literacy of our, of our company so that we can do more, so that we can be more data-driven, so that we can contribute more. So that's, that's sort of the first thing. The second thing is getting folks to help with the work. Right, and so this is sort of the so the social involvement, the crowdsourcing of content at scale. Right, if people are helping tagging, if people are helping explaining how they use things, um, then that information can scale a person in some ways. You know, for certain use cases, for certain metadata, way better than um, than a machine can. Right, it's just going to have more context and more nuance, and it's going to you know the more people emphasize and push something, the more that you can tell that that's a good thing which leads into the third thing, which is measuring, right? When the crowd is involved, you can look at things like usage, like popularity, like, you know, what are people querying the most? Um, you know, are people saying that something isn't to be trusted, right? That something, you know, they're saying that this data set is no good for whatever reason. You know, if, if the data steward says, hey, you should trust this data set, but one person says, no, I don't trust it. You know, maybe you're like, okay, maybe this isn't too bad. But if 25 people are saying they don't trust it, whew, you know, we've got a problem here. So, so let's, let's kind of go through some examples of what CrowdStation would look like in, in, in an ideal data, data management platform and a data catalog, right? So first thing that comes to mind is reviews, right? I mean, we do this through right. all e-commerce. We've been doing this for so long. And actually, it, it, cool thing is that the found one of the, the CEO of, of data.world is uh, Brett Hurt and he was a founder of Bizarre Voice who kind of brought the category of reviews to, 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 to websites, right? So, so here we go. So we got reviews and we can do this for data sets and stuff. So that's kind of a first type of, of crowdsource and even like your stars, right? Even if you're not gonna actually write a review, you can put stars and if the majority of the people are writing the stars then I can, this is, what does that actually mean, right? It's a popular one. People like it, but is it is that the right one to go do? Like, is it the context? So it kind of takes you to one level, but there's more that can be done, right? Yeah, that, that's definitely sort of the traditional view is like, oh, let's put, you know, likes and stars on, on, on things because, you know, if it works for uh, buying a computer on BestBuy.com, then it must work for shopping for data, right? Um, and I think that there are, there are places for that, right? And that's an obvious, like, potential low-hanging fruit, but that also can potentially lead you down the wrong path, right? Uh, I think that um, reviews can be, uh, can be noisy uh, and oftentimes data is pretty dynamic. Uh, and so a data set gets updated, right? And, you know, sometimes you go to like, uh, you go shopping online or something like that and you see something and you're like, oh, wow, like this got like a one-star review. But then you see that, that that review is from 2017 or something like that, right? So, you know, sometimes that context is there and sometimes it's not. It can be, it can be a, little, uh, a little difficult sometimes to navigate. Yeah, that's a good point, right? If I got a bunch of one-star reviews that are, but they're old and the problem got solved, like, does that get updated, right? So, so I guess reviews is one first way of doing it. But if we, if we look at, for example, and, and, and I've always been inspired, uh, like Google, Google Docs has really inspired the way how we, we, we do things. And I think in, mm -hmm. in, in before when we were working on our, our, our Grapho, right, our, our visual modeling tool, we're highly inspired by Google Docs. One of the things we like about Google Docs is like their suggestions. Uh, we want to be able to go and 
you're owed, you own a document, but you can share a document with somebody else. So other people, they're not going to go edit the document. They're going to add suggestions and you as the owner accept those suggestions or not. So I think that's, that, that's something that I've always liked about Google Docs. And then if we've, we've made this analogy with software engineering before, uh, and we have like GitHub and, and people do pull requests and stuff. And pull requests is that, like, I'm gonna do this change, I want somebody else to approve it and it's gonna go in. So that's in the, in the way you're crowdsourcing the, 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 the entire project between different people. What I wanted to kind of, one of the things that we were talking about with Tim before was this idea if, about suggestions. And this is something, a topic I was bringing up about uh, like Google Docs. And when you think about it, so you have, for example, a data set and it has, and people will have, will be an owner of a data set, the data steward and stuff. And you'll ask other people have something to say about that data set and they can make comments about it, but they're probably particular changes. Like they, somebody else who will say, oh, I, we need to go add these particular tags to this data set because I, I know a part of this data set that you may not know. I wanna make those suggestions and we wanna be able to have a way to accept those suggestions or reject the suggestions and give reasons. So you wanna be able to have kind of this back and forth between kind of the data stewards and also the data, the, 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 the rest of the data users within your organization. Um, and, I, and you can see this with, with so much other aspects. I mean, I just gave an idea of like tags, but you wanna be able to add more metadata fields. For example, so we will probably have a defined profile about metadata fields for data sets, but there's more things that should be added. And why should, why should the work of defining one, the one single profile be handled by just a small group of folks? Ideally, you want to be able to start off with something, but everything can change. And again, if we go back to that definition of the crowd, right, we're talking about it's uh, an open and often rapidly evolving group of participants. And I think that stuff is gonna change. And then the, the temporal aspect, right? At some point, the data set looks good, but at another point, things may change and we wanna be able to go update that. And we can't expect that your core group of stewards are always gonna be managing things and can be on top of everything. So I think we need to really think about how we can give power to the rest of the, to the, rest of, the of, our, of our colleagues within an organization but do it in a way that we can manage it and be kind of respectful of the different policies are in place, the workflows that we need to have. So that's the balance that I think that we need to be able to go figure out. Um, and I think the end result of having this crowdsource approach within your organization is you're encouraging participation from your entire organization. And, and I think that's the true meaning of data democratization. I want, if I want to democratize data, it's not just to give people access to the data. We want to have this, this feedback loop. I want the user to go access the data, look at it, and they provide feedback. And that feedback is, is we got to take it to the next level. It's not just about sending you a comment somewhere or, or, or sending you a Slack message or email or all this information gets passed. It's like you really want to be, take that feedback and almost elevate that as a first-class citizen. Um, and you start encouraging participation and when people can actually start using the data and then they can go back and start uh, uh, contributing, I think everybody feels more empowered and they want to be able to go do more with the data. And then we talk about data literacy. I think these are all aspects of how we can improve participation, improve contribu contrib contribution and literacy. 
And another aspect I was thinking about chatting with Tim here is the whole aspect of making documentation actually fun. But so I was just wrapping up here with a, with a couple of things we're talking about, kind of what is the result when you start crowdsourcing is that you encourage participation, you really kind of improve literacy because people who are consuming the data, they can actually give back. And the other thing is, and I think we take this too lightly, but it's super important, it's documentation. And we hate documenting things. But if you look again in the software world, it's, it's become part of our habit and we do things because we're agile, right? So we don't go write a, a waterfall, we end up writing all the documentation at the end. We wanna be able to have this agile approach. And the thing is that you can now crowdsource also your documentation because you can say, why did we make this change? Well, you can see all the, all, all the other people who suggested that change and that power of the crowd helps us make our data smarter, right? It gives us more explanation about, about our data. So, I always like to wrap up with kind of our, our takeaway and I always write our takeaway kind of during this process, but I don't know, Tim, let me go throw it to you now that, now that you're back. Final words here about crowdsourcing. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, our final takeaway here is that, you know, crowdsourcing can be a, a huge game changer in your data management realm. And if you can inf include folks from across your company, pair them up with the experts and with the automation, which we'll talk about in the next episode, then you can really get them to do a lot of the work, participate in a lot of the work. Uh, you can measure what they're doing. Uh, and it just creates this, this flywheel where you're kind of getting participation and improving the participation of, of everyone. And I think that's, that's the goal and the promise of crowdsourcing. And uh, we think it's, it's pretty important. So I think my, 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 Quick sentences, crowdsourcing and data management. We want to include, include everyone in an organization. We want to give them some work. We want to have, let them have some fun. And we want to go measure that. And, and that's going to help us improve the quality and the usage of our data. And everybody becomes a data person. With that, Tim, thank you so much. Always enjoy these conversations. We had a small uh, glitch. We'll figure it out next time. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right, you have a great one, Tim. 